Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. So friends, as we turn to Scripture this day, I invite you to pray with me, please. Let's pray. So, O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So light our way, O God, light our way to you. Open our hearts, minds, help us to know this Scripture. Help your Holy Spirit, O God, to fill us in these days and draw us near to your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. And God's people say, amen. Friend, scripture reading today comes to us from, this is the second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians. This is the third chapter, the first through the third verses. Listen for the word of God to the church on this day. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? For you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of Christ, prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So, if I had a confession to make to you, it would be that of all the letters the Apostle Paul writes to the different fledgling communities of Christians, That's right, in the first century, these small groups of, we think, 25, 30, maybe even 40 Christians in these towns, um, oh, Colossae and Ephesus and Thessalonica, they were gathering together and correspondence was taking place. And of all the letters that we have in the scriptures of the New Testament, the letter I like the most, the community I enjoy the most, is the church in Corinth. It's these uh, Corinthian Christians. They're the ones who I enjoy the most. Um, I'm grateful for the church in Ephesus and Thessalonica and Colossae and Galatia and even the Philippians, although those people seem to have their act together. They're easily the apostles' favorite, I think, because they're so loving and so kind and actually maybe borderline annoying because they seem to have their act together. No, no, I love the church in Corinth because these people are fighting all the time. Um, They're fighting over, oh, the role of women in the church. Um, They're fighting over differences of rich and poor. They're fighting over, over marriage and, and who should be married and who shouldn't. They're fighting over issues of sex and sexual immorality. They're fighting even about the resurrection itself, like does the resurrection even matter? These Corinthians are fighting over everything. 
I'm so grateful for the Corinthian church because when all goes really, really badly for us, we can turn to each other and say, well, at least we aren't the Corinthians. But look what happens in the second letter to the Corinthian church. There's such powerful wisdom here. Apparently, some of the Corinthians wrote to the Apostle Paul, who had visited with them and spent some time with them, and they're saying, you know, uh, Paul, we're not so sure that you really are the Apostle that we need. Would it be possible for you to give us some letters of recommendation? Could you, could you give us some testimony, maybe from some of those other churches that tell us that you are actually a good apostle? Because to us, you don't seem all that eloquent. To us, you don't seem to be able to communicate the gospel. And you're awfully critical, and sometimes you're mean-spirited to us. And you talk to us about how much we fight with one another. Could you actually get together some letters of recommendation and send those to us? That would be a great thing. And then Paul responds in this powerful way. Paul says, don't you understand, church? You are our letters of recommendation. You are our letters because Christ is in you. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not written in ink. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not written on tablets of stone. No, come on, church. Don't you understand, you Corinthians? The gospel of Jesus Christ is written by the living God's Holy Spirit, not on tablets of stone, but on your hearts. You are the letters of Christ. You are the letters of Christ because the gospel is written on your living, beating hearts. What a powerful and amazing message the Apostle sends to this struggling, hopeful church. You are the letters of Christ. It's this amazing statement about what is true for church. It's this amazing statement about what it means to be church. Oh, golly. I know, if anything in these days... There's so much that is changing all around us. All of our being has changed dramatically. Um, what it means to be family. Our being family with one another has changed dramatically. Our being children and parents and grandparents and grandchildren. Our being sisters and brothers, that's changed. Our being family with one another, our being friends with our friends, that's changed. Our being students and teachers and administrators, that's changed. Our being employees and being employers, all of that has changed. So, of course, it makes sense that being the church in these days is also bound to change. The challenge is, and the problem is, that we church people, we're not necessarily known to deal with change really well. In fact, this particular flavor of being church, um, the flavor called Presbyterian, we're not exactly known for our adaptability and for our agility. Uh, maybe you don't know this, but the favored phrase to describe Presbyterians is the frozen chosen. 
Uh, the Chosen is sort of a play on our idea of predestination. We'll talk about that next decade. Uh, the Chosen idea is this predestination idea. The Frozen is that we're not necessarily known for how agile we are. We tend to do the same things over and over again because that keeps us comfortable. But in the time in which we are now, this being church has to change. It's a huge, huge challenge for us. So several years ago, I was supposed to lecture at my seminary in Chicago, where I went to school. They invited me back um, to come and deliver two lectures. It was a high honor. Lectures were scheduled for Wednesday morning and Wednesday afternoon. My plan was to get there on Tuesday, relax, see some of my friends, former professors, talk to them. Before I could go there, I got a call the week before from a good friend of mine who is a staff person with the National Offices of the Presbyterian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And he said, hey, we're putting together this quick consultation. It would be great if you could come. It's on this day, Tuesday. And I said, ooh, actually, I'm supposed to be in Chicago on Wednesday. And he said, no, actually, this will work out, because if you come up here Tuesday morning early, spend the day with us for this consultation, and then you can catch a flight from Louisville to Chicago that night, and you'll end up there in plenty of time for the next morning. And I thought, uh, okay, it wasn't the plan, but this is a good friend, and the consultation was important, and so I went. I got up early from Atlanta flew first thing to Louisville, did the whole day of conservation, got back to the airport that night. I was on a Southwest Airlines flight from Louisville to Chicago's Midway Airport. I settled in. I thought, oh, good. Just need to get there. It'll be okay. I'm ready for my lectures in the morning. I must have dozed off because I'd gotten up really early, like at 4.30, to leave my house to go to the airport in Atlanta. I'd been busy the entire day. I was tired. I woke up and I looked at my watch and I realized that we were 10 minutes past departure. And I think I said out loud, oh no. Because the woman next to me said, excuse me, what? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. And she said, no, why did you say oh no? And I said, well, it's because we're 10 minutes past departure. And Southwest, they pride themselves on being the nation's best on-time airline, so there's got to be a reason why we haven't left yet. And she said, oh no. And I said, exactly. And just at that moment, this young man came onto the aircraft, stood there at the front, and got on the intercom system, and he said to us, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. And there was this groan on the entire plane, and he said, actually, you don't have a problem because you're going to Chicago, and Chicago is clear and this is a brand new Boeing 737. It just came off the assembly line a month ago, and it has all the latest equipment. And we're like, okay. And he said, if you look to your right, my left, however, there's a plane over there, the gate next to you. That Boeing 737 is not as new as yours. It's, in fact, quite a bit older, and it doesn't have the latest equipment, and they're trying to go to St. Louis, and it's fogged in. That aircraft can't land, but your aircraft could land. So, ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, I'm going to ask all of you to get up and get your things, and we're going to change planes. You're going to go over to that plane and take the exact seat that you're in right now, 
and they're all going to come over here, and then everyone can leave, and everyone can safely go to where they're supposed to go. Ready? Go. And about 90 people from my flight got our stuff, and we got out of the plane, and about 110 people from that flight going to St. Louis got their stuff, and we're passing each other in between the gates, and people are like, hey, have a good time in St. Louis. Thank you. Have a good time in Chicago. Go Cubs. Yeah, go Cubs. Thank you. It was like this bizarre icebreaker in youth group. It was just the oddest thing. And then I saw the young man who had come onto our aircraft and made the announcement, and I went up to him and I said, um, I'm sorry, excuse me, but can I ask you a question? He said, oh, of course, sir. And I said, so just out of curiosity, um, did, who, who decided to do this plane switch thing? And he said, oh, well, well sir, I'm the senior gate agent here for Southwest Airlines at Louisville, and I, I, I made the decision. I said, no, no, I'm sorry. Who decided to do this plane switch thing? And he said, um, sir, I, I, I'm the senior gate agent for Southwest Airlines here in Louisville. I, I made the decision. And I said, no, no, I'm sorry, but there's like pilots involved, and these aircraft cost millions upon millions of dollars. Who made it? He goes, well, sir, it, it's, it's my response. I talked to the pilots, and they said, okay, and I did call operations just to tell them that there was going to be a switch in aircraft, but I, I, I'm the senior gate agent for Southwest Airlines here in Louisville. And I said, you, you decided? And he goes, well, when it became pretty clear to me that that flight was only going to cancel and 110 people were going to be stranded here, I thought, we could switch planes. And so we're doing that. And I said, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I, I'm a Presbyterian. Do you have any idea how long it would take my people to make this kind of a decision? And he looked at me and said, um, no, no, sir, I, I really don't go to church, but I grew up as a Baptist. And I said, yeah, yeah, fine. So if this was a Presbyterian decision, we would have assembled a committee of equal numbers of people elected from each of the aircraft. We would have pulled in the pilots. We would have called your national headquarters, the operations office. You would have been involved as well. And there would have been this long conversation taking place over a series of weeks, perhaps months. And then we would have had some recommendations. We would have voted upon those. And he said, sir, sir, how, how long would this take? And I said, oh, oh, it would be a year, a year and a half tops. And he said, well, well, that wouldn't help us right now. I said, no, no, I wouldn't. That's the point. You made a decision so quickly. And he said, well, sir, I, 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 I am the senior gate agent here for Southwest Airlines here in Louisville. And I said, thank you. Got on my plane Landed in Chicago about 20 minutes late, got to the hotel, made my lectures the next morning. We're in the midst of extraordinary change. And there are challenges to what it means to be the church in these days. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that the gospel is not written on tablets of stone, but the gospel is written on your human beating heart. 
Because the gospel is not static. The gospel doesn't just stay the exact same way for thousands of years. The gospel is relevant in every single age for every single church because that's the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why it is written on your heart and on mine. It's been written on every human heart during every generation. It'll be written for generations to come because we are not supposed to always just be the same. So in these days, in these days, when we get to the other side of this, and we will get to the other side of this, because the gospel is written on human hearts by the power of the spirit of the living God, I believe this. I believe this we will be more vibrant in our faithfulness. We will be more courageous in our justice. We will be more truthful in our righteousness, I believe, on the other side of this, as we are being church letters of Jesus Christ, the gospel written on our hearts. We will be, even as we are becoming, we will be the church that Christ calls us to. Friends, not tablets of stone, but written on living, struggling, wounded, hopeful, dynamic, vibrant human hearts. Written on your heart and on mine. Not by our doing, but by the spirit of the living God, by the graciousness of God in us all. Friends, we are being church for the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.